Hello, ski racing fans, and welcome to the American Downhillers podcast, season two, episode eight. I'm two-time Olympian Doug Lewis, and with me is world championship medalist AJ Kitt and champion, uh, Chamonix champion winner Marco Sullivan. World champion Darren Rawls is out skiing fast and coaching some speed skiers as we record this. As the World Cup takes a break from ski racing, everyone's attention turns to the world championships being held in Courchevel, France, where it's all about the top three. Gold, silver, and bronze medals are on the line. And our guest today stood on the podium at the world championships back in 2003. She is a two-time Olympian, raced 130 World Cups over her career, a four-time national champion, and as I said, shocked the world in 2003 with a wild run that won her the bronze medal at the World Championships in St. Moritz, Switzerland. Please welcome Jonna Mendez. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and chat with you all. All right, Jonna, thanks for joining us. Where are you and have you been getting out to ski lately? Um, I'm in Sun Valley, Idaho. I grew up in Lake Tahoe, skiing at Heavenly, but I've been in Sun Valley, Idaho for the past um, almost 12 years. Um, I run the Sun Valley Ski Academy program here, and I have been getting out to ski. Um, this will shock some people. I've taken to Nordic skiing, so I skate ski nearly as much as I alpine ski now. All right. Keeps you in shape. Well, we're going to talk about your role at Sun Valley, but first we have to talk about the World Championship medal. Please talk about that day, that run. Did you have any clue that you'd be standing on the podium by the end of the day? Um, I mean, any championship that you're at as a U.S. ski team athlete, when you've qualified for, you've had the results to get you on the team. I knew I could do it. I um, had had a really great season up to that point. I had a fifth in Cortina the week prior. So everything was kind of, you know, leading me to feel like I was prepped and ready to go. Like with that being said though, I mean, we all know here, like the world championships and Olympics, like anything can happen and does happen. And I was just hoping that worked out in my favor. And it thankfully did. Did you have an idea during that run uh, that it was going to be on uh, good enough for a podium? The run felt great. Um, I was really fired up to race, um, extremely excited. And, um, you know, what was interesting is that the morning did not go very well. Um, and so, you know, that's something I think about a lot as I like reflect back on that day is that like, I didn't sleep the night before I had a horrible sleep. I crashed during warm up. Um, there was just so much about it that was not feeling quite right but I still knew like that I could overcome all that and that it could be a really great day. And so, yeah, like gearing up in the, uh, start house and, you know, spending those like 10 minutes that led me to my run, I was feeling like really charged up and like, I had a great plan and, um, I pulled it off and had, you know, one of the better runs of my life. I remember being in the audience at the award ceremony and everyone was like, so psyched with um, you know you being on the podium and Kirsten Clark on the podium and two ladies who just everyone was always pulling for you and wanting you to do well and that day was super special and like you said it was almost 20 years ago to the day right yeah yep. which is I crazy so. <laughs> that much time has passed but um, it was always so cool to see you do well and on that stage was incredible. 
it was a great day to ski fast. That, that's for sure. And uh, sharing it with Clarkie meant a ton, you know, being up there with my teammate. Um, I think that hadn't happened for a couple decades. Um, during that champs also was when Shlopi had a podium, Eric Shlopi and Bodie. And so the four of us had all medaled um, and that made it really special too. But I mean, we had a great crew there. Um, St. Moritz, for those of you who have been there, is like just a really epic, beautiful ski area that people love to be at. So, I mean, it was a fun venue to, to have a, you know, record-breaking result for me. What do you feel like is the, like the difference between, um, you know, you made the comment as an American, when you qualify for the Worlds or the Olympics that, you know, you've earned it, you know, you're, you're ready to go. Um, and, I, and I agree. And I think that results reflect that, you know, Americans rise to the occasion at, at big events like that. And so what is it you think is the difference between, um, you know, when it's a World Cup race versus when you're out there just racing for medals? Yeah, I mean, I've thought about that a lot. I mean, Americans are kind of known to be racehorses, and I definitely was. Um, I loved big events. They get me super fired up. Um, you know, some of my better results are at bigger events, junior worlds and, um, you know, Olympics were here and there. Um, but, you know, I think having raced in Salt Lake City in 2002, um, as amazing as those games were, there was a lot of pressure um, being on home turf. And so in Europe, like we're never on home turf, like we never, you know, there's never that pressure. Um, and I think maybe the Europeans feel it a little bit more and get a little, um, it, it gets in their head a little bit. Um, and we're Americans like just kind of continuously like lay it over and, and get on the podium at champs and, you know, in Olympics. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, when I raced, um, for sure, the Americans were an underdog. And so we had nothing to lose, everything to gain, put it on the line. And the Americans now, with the success over the last 20 and 30 years, you think we wouldn't be underdogs, but it's still that feeling, the Americans against the world. And I think that does fire everyone up on these big, these big races. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and you're right. We should be the underdogs. Like, look at our last, like, several decades. I mean, we have some of the best skiers in the world at any given time. But yeah, a lot of the time we're, yeah, we are considered that way. And I think it's such a motivator. Like, it feels great to be in that position. And I actually really always love to be in that position, like, kind of behind the leader with, um, you know, the ability to su surprise people. And I skied with some of the best American skiers of all time. I started my career under Peekaboo. Hillary Lind was unfortunately kind of, she retired right when I was coming on, um, onto the team. And I've heard such great things about her, but, um, I was with Peekaboo and then, you know, Julia and Lindsay. I mean, some of the, the most incredible skiers in the world. Um, and so I never minded like that they were in the spotlight and I was kind of under the radar. Um, it worked in my favor for sure. John, I remember you were not under the radar when you were a young racer in Tahoe. <laughs> John and I are almost the same age. And I grew up on the other side of the lake and John would beat everyone in Tahoe, including all the boys until we were like 15 or 16. <laughs> and then it was always John and 
Carolina leave were like battling for the the top spot in the races and the boys were like you know taking taking second fiddle so John was always very fast growing up and took it to the world cup obviously I have really good memories of being a teenager with Caroline and we had so much fun with it and I mean we were growing up in Tahoe like we loved to ski um we weren't at the same ski area she moved kind of quite a bit as a junior but um yeah I think that's what helped me too as I got older and more professional and my career continued is like that love of skiing and just having those teenage years where we spent so much time like in the trees jumping just having fun with the sport I think we're missing a little bit of that um these days with with junior racers I think it's interesting that you did not have a great warm-up and we're not feeling maybe as confident on your day that you won the medal uh, I remember uh, the day I woke up uh, in Bormio when I won my medal, it had been raining and it was cold, uh, excuse me, warm the day before. And I was all bummed out because I'm an Eastern racer. I like the ice, but it froze uh, overnight. And I didn't know that. And I went out for my little morning jog in the morning and what had been puddles the night before were all sheets of ice. And I walked down the stairs and I slipped and I fell on my butt super hard, like jolting my whole body. But I just smiled because oh my God, it's glare ice. This is my day. Like that was like an omen that I think about. AJ, on your world championship medal day, what was that day about? Did you have any omens that you uh, might think back on? Um, gosh, I don't really know. And, and you, you know, you guys, Johnny, yours is 20 years ago. Mine was 30 years ago. This is what the gray is all about. Um, <laughs> 1993. But um Man, I don't know if it was uh, too long ago to remember or if it was just one of those days where I just was sort of so not in my head that I don't really recall all that much um, about the day other than the race run. I, I remember like, I don't know, I remember a couple of things about the race run, but not a lot. And I made one big mistake. I mean, it was a really flat course and it was a gliders course. And I had won the last training run and I might've been like, second or third in the other training run. And so I, I was expecting to win. And I, I was like, if you don't win, it's a failure because it's a gliders course, you're a glider, you know, this is, this was set up for you. And I ended up third. I made a big mistake before the flats and, and ended up third. And I was really disappointed with my race because I felt like I could have skied a lot better. Um, but, you know, by the end of the day, I was like, okay, podium's amazing. Um, you know, and, and, and getting a bronze, but I, I really don't have a lot of recollections about that day. I mean, we were in Japan, it rained a lot, it snowed a lot. And I just remember sort of more about the whole week than I do about the, um, the day itself. So, um, but it's, it's all, you know, it's all great memories. I, I was just gonna say, um, all, all of you guys have your world champs medals. I never even came close to a world champs medal. And I think I had, for some reason, I, I always felt like world champs were kind of a, an interruption in the season. Like I really liked having the world cup tour, you know, going from stop to stop and then you'd throw in this big event that was, you'd, you, know, you got a, a new uniform and, and the big wigs would show up. And, but I kind of felt like it was sometimes another race. Um, and I guess for whatever reason, I never took it that seriously. And it definitely showed in my results. Like I, I never did well. I think I raced maybe five of them and never, was even top 10 I don't think it was like terrible <laughs> so where I guess it can go both ways with you know if you don't the big events if you really consider yourself a dark horse and you like 
go for that podium, go for broke, it can be great. And if you don't take it as seriously, it can uh, just be lackluster. And that was kind of, unfortunately, my experience. But I'm glad you guys are all here to talk about the good side of it. <laughs> I, I mean, I, honestly, Marco, I feel a, a little the same way. And it was more with the Olympics. You know, it was such a, you said it felt like a disruption in the season. And that's exactly how I felt. Um, you know, I really like the rhythm of, you know, the weekly downhills, uh, the weekly races. And in, and in January, it gets very rhythmical like that. I mean, we're right now we're in this period of, or I guess they just finished this period of incredible concentration of races on the world cup circuit. And now they've taken the break to go to world championships and anybody that was in any kind of a good rhythm on the world cup, by the time they get back to the next world cup race, it's a month. I mean, who knows if they're still going to have that rhythm the best thing they can hope for is to take that rhythm into the world championships and get a, you know, get a good result there. But, um, you know, and I think that maybe that's part of why Americans do so well is because maybe, maybe we liked the break. Maybe we liked the break from the monotony and the repetition of the world cup. And you go to this new event, we get, you know, re renewed energy, you get fired up, you get that new uniform and, and um, you know, you feel like, Hey, the playing field's level. Uh, I think on the world cup, a lot of times the playing field doesn't feel level for us. Um, but at the world championships, it, I think maybe it does feel more level. And, and so we go there with a, a renewed sense of competitiveness and, and some fire to go and, and make some noise. Hey, Doug Lewis here. And I want to talk about the American downhiller speed camp. American downhiller is the leader in teaching young ski racers how to go fast and have fun. 2023 will mark the sixth annual American downhiller speed skills camp in mammoth mountain. Our speed camp is coached exclusively by current and former World Cup racers and coaches who are passionate about helping the next generation of athletes achieve their dreams. We specifically focus on aerodynamics, jumping technique, speed tactics, and the mental training required to safely navigate Super G and downhill race courses. If you are a ski racer who wants to go fast, check out our website, americandownhiller.com for all specific camp dates. I want to dig deep into Jonna. Um, talk about what Peekaboo uh, did for you and what you tried to do for them for uh, Mancuso and Vaughn and those following you. Yeah, well, Peek was, I mean, everyone knows she's like just a fascinating human. And, and I feel like I was able to really um, work together with her and like study her and see what worked for her. And um and again, like I was, I was fine to be kind of in her shadow and she and I got along really well. I think at first, probably because I was not a threat. Um, and, you know, I was coming on board at like 16 and 17. And um, I think as different as Peekaboo and I are, um, we are so different. There's some parts of ski racing like that we were really connected with. And, you know, one of those things was like, we really analyzed courses. Um, I was one of those athletes that, you know, when you have an hour and a half to inspect, I was on the hill until the last minute for the first day of, uh, you know, inspection. And she was too. And we would look at the courses together. We'd talk about it together. We'd watch the other girls together and we really shared info that way. And so, um, that was, that was really fun to me I, because I was into it. Like I was really into like analyzing, uh, the turns and and the different directions you could go and what the other women were doing and what was working for them and she was too um and and then she would just get like just get so fired up to race and i always connected 
with that. Um, you know, she, she was like just such a racehorse and, you know, Goja is similar, like watching her, like peak would just hammer, like no matter what, um, and really like paid the price and, you know, crashed several times because of that. But I think she'd probably tell you it was worth it because she came out on top so often. And, and so I really appreciated having peak as a mentor and a guide. And, and then as she was shifting out, Lindsay and Julia were really like coming on board. Um, and I mean, they rose so fast that, you know, there wasn't that much time that they were kind of underneath me. I mean, they like bypassed me pretty quickly and, um, they too are like so different in their approach and the way they look at skiing and the way, the way they treat every day. Um, but I really appreciate, appreciated what both of them brought to the table. And Lindsay was more analytical like me and Julia was such a free spirit, like just, um, did her own thing, um, was really comfortable, um, going against the norm, kind of telling people that their program wasn't her program. And I appreciated that too. That's super interesting. I just wanted to share, you know, me and Bill Johnson were total opposites, yet we were on the team. We fed off each other in some ways, but we didn't hang out. He was break all the rules. I'm, I was like, follow the rules, Dougie. And it was just really different, but we worked together in some ways. Marco and AJ talk about your teammates and how they can be so different, but be on the same team. Well, I think, you know, if you ask any of my old teammates, um, I was definitely that own program guy. Um, and it wasn't so much that I was re rebelling against the, the team. I just knew what, what I needed in my, to make my environment the best it could be to be successful. Um, I knew what I needed, um, uh, you know, as far as support, as far as whatever. And so I just, I made sure that that happened for me. It was maybe a, a bit of a selfish way, but um, it, I couldn't really make it work any other way. And, um, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, in the back of my mind, I always hope that you know, me requiring modification to the team approach that make it work for me would also make it work well for, for everybody else. Um, but I was, you know, I was more of that individual athlete amongst the, the team sport where, you know, there's other, uh, the other side of that coin is, is it's a team sport and you compete like an individual. So, um, I think, I think both approaches work. You just have to make it work for, for you the best you can. And I think, um, through all of our generations, we saw that individual, or we really saw that, um, growing as the more like superstar racers came out. I, I was similar to John where I kind of spanned, I came in, um, when I was first on the team, it was like Darren, uh, was our kind of star on the, on the downhill team. And then and Bodie, of course, was moving in there. And um, then as I continued, it was it was just moving on to another another generation. And I tried to like pass on what I had learned and whatnot. But there was there was a lot of individualization at that time with you know, some guys having just fully their own um well, it, it was actually like buses, like tour buses with Bodie and Dan, you know, and being they were still part of the team, still um, with us on the hill every day, but it was very separated off the hill. So we kind of, uh, it was a juggling act of trying, of balancing the guys who were within the hotel as a team and then kind of having these outliers who we all definitely respected and felt they were their, our teammates, but 
we definitely felt like we were chasing them and um, a little separated. So it was, it was trying to balance all that stuff. And it, you know, I think it worked out some of the time, some of the time it was worked out better for, for others than, <laughs> than us. Wend produces a sophisticated line of ski and snowboard waxes for use by skiers, riders, racers, and shops. The current Wend Snow Wax formulations have come from over 50 years of progressive blend reformulation and on-slope and in-lab testing. This has been in conjunction with the feedback of some of the world's top ski and snowboard athletes. Athletes who know real speed, like Kitzbühel champ Darren Rolfs and 2019 Birds of Prey GS champion Tommy Ford. Wend no longer sells any products containing fluorocarbon compounds and instead utilizes natural, plant-derived and or biodegradable additives that substantially increase the overall eco-friendliness of the Wend Snow Wax product line. Give Wend a follow on Instagram at Wend Waxworks and purchase your Wend products at wendperformance.com. And don't forget to use the code ADH20 for 20% off your purchase. Hey, Jonna, uh, your results on World Cup make you a speed skier, but were you always a speed skier and how did you land going fast on the speed team? I was not always a speed skier. I was definitely, I was a really strong slalom skier and GS skier. Um, and GS kind of, I, I stuck with through my whole career, but slalom, I raced like into my early twenties, but my, my body type. And I think just my upbringing and the kids I grew up with and the coaching that I had definitely led me, um, to be like really comfortable with speed. Um, and I mean, I started racing downhill when I was 15. I mean, in the Western region, we had just a couple of venues that had speed events. And um, my coaches talked about, you know, heading to Jackson Hole. They had a great kind of entry level downhill track. And they sent me with a pair of uh, downhills that were just men's long GS skis. Um, and my coach, Doug Karwoski, told me, like, you're wearing all of your clothes. Like, all everything because you're gonna go too hard like I don't want you crashing you need to feel this out but next year you're gonna come back and win this and sure enough like I ran in clothes but I, I could not stay like in all my gear like I had so much fun right off the bat and I loved it and I mean something that always worked in my favor and you know you see a lot and I mean I know you all understand this really well like some people know how to keep their speed. Like they keep their momentum. They have a nice touch on the snow and can just let their skis go. And, and it became clear really quickly that I could do that. And so I was missing a lot of the fundamentals, but I was comfortable with speed and liked it. And so we had to kind of build up my toolkit as I got older. And I really didn't have so many of the skills that you need to be a really good ski, uh, downhill skier until you know, I was in my late teens or early twenties. I mean, I was just scrappy and going for it. And I mean, I raced world cups, I raced junior worlds, um, just kind of going for it and figuring it out as I went. So, so in, in the position that you're at with Sun Valley right now, I mean, how do you translate that experience into the athletes that you work with in Sun Valley at, at age, you said you started downhill at 15, but I mean, to, to develop the skills, maybe you start a little bit earlier. So uh, how do you approach that now? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, we're part of the Intermountain Division and I've been really impressed with how they handle speed and, and 
entering athletes into speed and helping make them comfortable. Um, my son, I have a, a, a boy, Declan, who's rising through the ranks. He's a first year U14. And so, I mean, being a parent in the sport has been like fascinating and way more stressful than <laughs> me ever competing. Um, but they had a, we have a little ski area called Soldier Mountain and it's south of Sun Valley. It's about an hour away. And it's just a privately run tiny little, little ski hill with two lifts. And they let us take it over for several weeks in the wintertime. And the Intermountain comes in. They just had a first year U14 speed camp there. And they very thoughtfully brought in, I think it was 70 athletes from the Intermountain. And they practiced rollers. They practiced jumping. They like leaned in and were able to like really carefully and, and um, safely get on their speed skis and test it out. And I know my son came back like, really fired up to continue. And, you know, we never had that. Like I didn't have that growing up. It was like, I was tossed into it and happened to be like really good at it. And now it's a more thoughtful approach. And, um, you know, I'm sure most of the other divisions and regions do something similar, but, um, you know, we're hoping to really build and grow on that. And, and I think, um, you know, my slalom and GS training helped my speed so much. And I think speed does the same for a slalom and GS gear. So I hope the trend continues, at least within Intermountain. Well, I know, you know, listening to you today and knowing Marco and Darren and Travis and, you know, all the uh, people from, especially from Tahoe, but the West in particular, at the ages that uh, the, when where things were at when, when we grew up and I'm older than you guys, but I think it was very similar. You guys did a lot of free skiing, you're right. You, you, ch you, you challenged the mountain in different ways other than traditional, you know, GS and gate rhythmical turns, right? It was free skiing. It was powder skiing. It was, you know, maybe some backcountry. You know, I grew up on a 600 foot hill in Western New York, but I mean, me and my buddies, we would bomb the mountain. We'd be like, okay, let's see who gets to the bottom first without turning. And so that was our version of like challenging the mountain in different ways. And, and that I think is what helped me develop that comfort level. When I first experienced uh, speed, like you did, I got to the bottom and I was exhilarated. I was thrilled by the, the fact that I could just let them run on this closed track with gates. And I knew where I could go and I could go over blind jumps and trust that there wasn't some, you know, public skier laying at the bottom, you know, like I could at night when I was bombing with my friends. So um, you know, but I think as, um, you know, as, as mentors in the sport now, like you are and Marco is, and, and I, I work in, in coaching a lot as well. And Lou, you do too. Um, you know, we have to hand this, the, this knowledge off to this next generation and in a way that like they do at soldier with it, that's methodical and thoughtful and safe to develop these skills for these kids younger. So that when they do get into those first, you know, downhills as truthfully as, as like in the fifth age, when we're getting onto true downhill tracks that they're, you know what they're doing. They've got the capability to go out there and, and race it rather than go and get their first experiences as downhillers. Um, you know, the, obviously the camps that Marco does are amazing, you know, skill builders. Um, but I'm glad to hear that, that at the club level, what you guys are doing is also developing those skills because we've got to, you know, we can do it with GS skis on, we can do it with slalom skis on, teaching kids how to go over terrain, you know, how to absorb, how to stay forward over terrain, how to glide, how to let the skis run, how to let the skis do the work, build momentum, all those things that are really essential for downhillers. 
Yeah, you bet. And, you know, we have a Western region camp, so it's extended. You know, we started in divisionally for U14s, and then next week we have a big U16 crew from the Western region. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll continue doing this. And I, again, like, I just think it adds so much to a tech skier. Like, I, I think it only adds to, you know, what a slalom and GS skier brings to the table. And, and you know, I remember Sarah Schlepper a lot, like being frightened of the speeds in GS. And I was like, Schlepp, get on your super G boards. Like anytime you get in a GS start after you've run speed and it just feels slow and makes you want to go faster. And it was the same, you know, with super G um, when you're, when you've been running downhill and then get in a super G, it felt slow. And so then you like wanted to, to be faster. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, it is super fun to work with junior athletes. And it's, I mean, you know, like there's, there's something about like being in the start of a speed course and knowing like that whole area, like for, for some of you, some of the world cup downhills, like two and a half miles, like it's all yours. There is no one on it. You own it. It's safe. It's safe as it could possibly be. And I mean, there's just how often does anyone in the world get that experience? Like a whole run, a whole mountain to themselves to do what they can with it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think there is a good effort through most of the regions now to get that exposure to speed. And um, we actually just had a project out in Okemo, Vermont. Um, it was kind of a collaboration with American Downhiller and Para, which was the Pennsylvania Alpine Racing Association. And we brought 80 kids from Pennsylvania, um, U16s and like first year FIS. And Okemo provided the space and we brought in uh, six Olympian coaches. We had Andrew Weibrecht out there and uh, Scotty Venus and Chelsea Marshall, Keely Kelleher, myself, um, and Dane Spencer. And we just had a speed camp and we didn't have like a ton of terrain. You know, there's a couple wave tracks and, and a jump and you know, a hill long enough to ski some Super G and, and uh, getting all these kids on their speed skis, some of them for the first time it was just awesome. You know, they're like so excited and, and pick it up pretty quick. If you can provide that safe venue with some good direction, um, I feel like you don't need a ton and get them up to speed, get them in the air a little bit and get those fundamentals going. Like you're saying, Jonna, like that just carries through and they're all, all of a sudden they're comfortable at speed and that can take them forward in all events and, um, Anyway, this project was pretty cool. So I think there is stuff across the country now going in that direction. And hopefully we see it pay off here in several years when all these kids are are up in their fists racing times. Yeah, the next set of American downhillers. That's right. <laughs> I had a speed project. I mean, it was years ago, but in Michigan, like a tiny, tiny hill. And what I loved is like those kids love the sport. Like, and I don't know if Marco, you saw that too, with this crew, it's like, they're, they're at these like really small mountains and AJ, it sounds like kind of same, like you were at a small mountain, like, and they made the most of it and loved it so much. And I mean, they bring so much of that awesome, um, attitude in ski racing. They were, they were phenomenal. I think it's so important to get these kids comfortable in speed, tucking, tucking 
uh, like AJ, we had that growing up at the Middlebury Snowball. I mean, it was probably a GS, but it was called the downhill for us. And we got to tuck a little. And I just got so comfortable at speed, even though I was focused on being the next Ingemar Stenmark GS skier. When I finally got invited to a downhill, I had the comfort, then I had the technical skills, and it just matched for me. So getting them comfortable at speed, so so critical. I'm going to start with John, and then I'll go to Marco. But how do you talk to parents that may be hesitant about speed? Or are you finding that the parents are like, I want my kid into speed as much as possible? I find it's the kids that are more reluctant than parents. Um I mean, thankfully here, like we have such a great entry into speed. And so, you know, we never push it with athletes or parents. Like if you're truly not comfortable with this, I mean, it's at any age actually is like, if, if you're that frightened, you should not do it. Um, you know, we've, we've all seen athletes who, um, yeah, it's just not in them. Like they, they don't like it and that's okay. And, um, with parents, it's, you know, I always encourage parents to give it a try, like give their children the opportunity to try it, um, knowing that we're creating a really safe environment for them to do that. Um, if it wasn't so safe and so thoughtful, um, I wouldn't say that, but it is like, it's, it's the right entry at the right age. And um, parents usually, you know, they've invested so much of their, you know, time and resources at this point that, you know, they're, they're, they trust the system. And so we don't run into too many barriers in that way. I would agree. Not too many barriers and a lot of enthusiasm for speed, especially from the kids and the parents who are reluctant. I think uh, having great um, coaches, I, you know, I try to involve as many ex-athletes as possible who have been there and, and can teach the kids from their own experience and the parents trust that their, their kids are being taught by professionals and uh i think the argument of like giving them these fundamental skills out of in a very safe venue is only going to benefit because i mean kids are they're going to go fast no matter what most of them you know they're going to bomb straight down the mountain like little aj you know go <laughs> on on their 600 foot hill um, but if you can give them the a few real good fundamental skills that they can actually do that safely that benefits everyone so um, I think every, everyone wants to go fast. It's fun, you know, so having those, giving them the way to do it safely is, is the key. Jonna, um, talk about your most favorite thing about your job right now, and maybe the most challenging part about your job. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, my favorite part is working with kids. Like they're total goofballs, um, in the best way. Um, you know, they're, I'm really lucky. Um, the ski academy works, we have six different disciplines. And so I feel like my life has really been enriched by being able to work with athletes in disciplines that are, you know, were more foreign to me. Um, we have cross country and big mountain snowboard, um, freestyle free ski. Um, and you know, they're all pushing the limits in their own sports. And so it's really fun to, to participate and be a part of their lives as they, you know, love this sport and hopefully find their passion that will keep them part of it for the rest of their lives. Like that's one of the things I love about the sport is that you can do it forever. Um, and I'm really, really grateful to be here like that. I'm able to stay active in the ski industry and have a role that has like pushed my boundaries. Um, and then worst part of the job, um, most challenging, you don't have to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most challenging. Um, 
keep it diplomatic. <laughs> There's a lot that I want to do here. Like this is a brand new, I mean, not brand new, we're in our 12th year, but um, there is a lot that I want to do and, and a lot of um, programmatic adjustments like that we keep making to improve. And so it's just finding the time to be a mom and finding the time to work and be a wife and, you know, manage all the pieces of, of um, you know, my different roles can be really challenging. It's, I want to be in like six places at once and I can't do that but I feel pretty lucky to be here. Um, I really love what I do. Doug Lewis here. If you are a U12, U14, or U16, Elite Team Fitness Camps are for you. This is not your average fitness camp as we teach the vital skills of sports psychology and sports nutrition, along with tough, challenging workouts. You will leave camp with more power, strength, and agility, with a deeper understanding about nutrition, and with the mental skills of confidence, focus, and pushing limits, which will take you to the next level. Over our 30 years, we have coached Olympic champions, World Cup stars, NCAA champions, including US ski teamers, Michaela Schifrin, Lauren Masuga, Alice Merriweather, Jimmy Krupka, Grace Henderson, and Sammy Worthington. And finally, although we push our limits to the edge, we have a ton of fun. We are holding two week-long sessions this July at the Killington Mountain School. Find all the info at EliteTeam.com. So uh, we each have a chance to talk about something we've done in the past couple of weeks that's been amazing. AJ, you got to go first because I was jealous of what you got to do. Yeah, I just got back yesterday from a, a long trip in Europe. I was over there um, with our friends from the ADL Ski Club, Kyle Watson and, uh, and his crew. I, it was my second trip with those guys. And uh, we went to Kitzbühel for the races there. And we went to Schladming for the, the night race, which was the night slalom, but then they added the GS. So it was night GS as well. And then we went uh, to Innsbruck and stayed there and we went free skiing around Innsbruck a little bit. And um, I mean, I had a great time, you know, Kyle always does such a great job with, with his trips. Um, you know, met, met a bunch of new people, made some lifelong friendships and, and had some incredible experiences. So um, I would say that, that uh, and I've been to Kitzbühel a bunch in the last five or six years. Um, and it's so different now than it was when I raced, I mean, it was definitely always the biggest race on the calendar when I was racing, but, and it still is, but it's a different way. Like it's supercharged now with, you know, air show over, you know, flyovers and they've got, you know, they've got, they've got drone videos of, you know, chasing the guys down the hill through the, you know, through Lerkenschuss into the turns above Hausberg and, you know, just like the, the whole party atmosphere. Um, and maybe it's Austria, but because Schladming was maybe, because it was, it's a condensed arena, there's fewer people, but it, because it's condensed, it feels like it's maybe a little bit more of a, a wild party than, than Kitzbühel. But um, I remember feeling after we left Schladming, so I'd been kind of on this whirlwind for six or seven days, and I was just a fan there. I wasn't working, I wasn't racing, and I wasn't doing anything it's very stressful. But I remember leaving going, man, I am glad to get out of here. It was, it's been frenetic. It's been crazy. And it reminded me of exactly how I felt when I was racing that going to Kitzbühel was a thrill. I looked forward to it. It was a great week of racing, but I was so glad that it was over. And I would get back to sort of the, the humdrum of the normal tour, you know, not as many fans around, not as much fanfare around, not as much circus atmosphere. And, um, and I think that, you know, for me, I felt like, okay, I can exhale. And I know that the guys, the, the, the guys and gals, the athletes after a big week like that are 
exhaling, but now they're getting ready for world championships, getting ready for another attic week of craziness. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was good to be back. It's always good to be back in that, in that, uh, that world, that culture, uh, the Austrian ski racing cultures uh, is the best. It's great. Hey, Doug Lewis here. If you've ever dreamed of traveling to Wengen or Kitzbühel to watch the classic World Cup downhills, then the ADL Ski Club is for you. Their small group trips are geared for passionate skiers and race fans. They take you to the heart of ski racing's biggest races at the Lauberhorn, Hanenkamm, and Night Slalom in Schladming. This year, American downhiller AJ Kidd is leading the group to Kitzbühel, and they have a ton of special access to the races, parties, and athletes that make this World Cup unique among all professional sports. Even though this year's trips are both sold out, now, right now, is the perfect time to get your name on the list for next year's trips. Visit adlskiclub.com. That's adlskiclub.com and reach out to them to secure your spot. Rumor has it that I might even be joining them for one of these trips soon. Um, for me, I, like I mentioned earlier last week, I was out in, in Okemo doing, running that old speed camp, uh, which was pretty rewarding to see all the kids going fast. And it actually snowed out there on our last day. So it did a little, little powder skiing, Vermont style. I think it was like three inches of snow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then came, came home and it's been snowing here a lot in Tahoe as well. So lots of, lots of powder skiing and just free skiing and, uh, and having fun. And then I think I'm uh, going to another little speed series hey. in Idaho next week with uh, the fist team from Palisades. So a lot of powder skiing intermixed with speed skiing. I got to uh, go back to Vermont. I grew up at the Middlebury College Snowball, this tiny little area that's part of the college. And I got, I go back every year just to ski with the club. And I am just, uh, so blown away and I get transformed and transported uh, back to when I was 12. I got to sit in front of the fire where I used to dry my boots and then melt my boots every year. I got to ski the cliff, which was like 30 feet high when I was 12 and now it's like three feet high. But I got to do all that stuff uh, with a bunch of kids who are way into it. So I just love going back there and seeing that really with the kids and with these small clubs, nothing's changed. It's about the love of the sport and being part of a group and just crushing the mountain. So I had a great time and I always enjoy going back. All right. And then I'd say as a mom, um, I am so delighted that my son loves to ski and he was at Soldier last week, and I mean, he's the kind of kid that it's raining outside, and he comes back, and like, ski team was the best, and it's horrible conditions, and he comes back, ski team was the best, and you know, I think this is the best sport in the world, and I don't care where he goes with it, but that he loves it, and that I know that it'll be part of his life too, um, is really special to me. On the work front, um, we had an athlete who qualified for the junior world championships in St. Anton um, as a U18, like very young to be named to the team. And he um, had a gold and a silver in the U18, um, you know, for his age group in the downhill super G. And I, I actually cried in my office. I was so proud and so excited for him. And he's a great kid who works really hard and puts the time and energy in and, um, you know, was a real student of the sport. And so, um, you know, work-wise, that was a huge, um, that was the best part of my last couple of weeks. I gotta give a shout out to uh, 
Allison Mullen, who was when we first did American Downhiller, our first American Downhiller camp in 2017. Um, Allison was a little U14 camper, was the first to breakfast every morning. Was like so fired up to be on the hill, and she actually just scored her first Europa Cup downhill point uh, today or yesterday. So yeah, girl. Seeing it evolve up into the next generation, and it's super cool. Well, thanks for listening and watching to our American Downhiller podcast. Special thanks to Jonna Mendez for joining us, an American Downhiller who is still giving back to the ski world as director of the Sun Valley Ski Academy. Please spread the word about our podcast. Share with your friends, coaches, teammates, and club. You'll find us either on Spotify or Apple. And thanks to our American Downhiller sponsors, ADL Ski Club, Wend Wax, Elite Team Fitness Programs, and American Downhiller Camps. Coming up will be shows on the World Championship Speed Races, and then on to Palisades Tahoe, Aspen, and the World Cup Finals. For AJ, Darren, and Marco, thanks for listening. The ADL Ski Club is proud to be the exclusive U.S. promoter for the Franz Klammer movie, Chasing the Line. The movie takes you back to 1976 and focuses on the few fateful days that culminated in Klammer's wild and crazy run that secured his victory at the 1976 Olympics and his place in history as the Kaiser of Downhill. The film tour kicks off in Seattle on February 15th, nine days and 47 years after his famous victory. You can find all the tour dates, tickets, and movie swag at chasingtheline.com. And if you don't see a show in your hometown, contact them. They're actively looking for local independent promoters to host shows across the country.